Welcome to the PaxX Podcast, available on iTunes. This is episode 38 of the show where we talk about everything to do with the passenger experience. I'm Mary Kirby, and I'm joined by my co-host, Max Flight. Max, how are you doing? Hi, Mary. I'm doing well, and I'm excited because we're going to talk about my second favorite subject, food. <laughs> I like this subject as well, so I'm really looking forward to uh, talking to our foodie expert guest today. Um, but before we get started, we'd like to thank eGate Solutions for sponsoring this week's podcast. We all want happy passengers. They buy more, and they're likely to be more loyal to your airline. But delivering a positive passenger experience is hard when you're relying on legacy systems and manual processes. eGate Solutions provides the technology behind onboard services, connecting and automating every step of an airline's operations from the warehouse to the passenger. With eGate, you can spend less time and money on the process and more on optimizing the passenger experience, which really is what we are all in the business of delivering. Visit eGate Solutions online at www.egate-solutions.com or email them at info at egate-solutions to learn more. Now, it is my great pleasure to introduce our guest today. Nick Lucas is the founder of the ever popular inflightfeed.com website where he highlights his experiences from around the world and really sees the fun side of airline meals. Nick works as a training manager in Europe and he assists with training and product development projects specifically for airlines and he has become a go-to source for media on the topic of onboard food and beverage. Nick, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. It's been, I think, nearly two, over two years, actually. I know, it's been too long. I know. Welcome, Nick. Well, let's jump right in and take a look at some of the PaxX airline food stories making headlines. First, Nick has been featured in an article on Traveler.com where he rates the world's best and worst in-flight meals. Nick, what makes or breaks an in-flight meal? And tell us about some of your choices for best and worst in this piece. Yeah, sure. Look, um, I think there's two sides to it. Obviously, um, as a passenger, you want something that's of, of quality and, you know, substance. And then there's also the fun side of it as well. So I love an airline that has a story attached to the food, um, such as sort of the airlines like Swiss or Aegean Airlines, who are great ambassadors for their country. Um, and then you also have like sort of the more fun meals like the Eva Air Hello Kitty meal, uh, that I was served on a flight from um, Paris to Taipei. Um, I might go back. I might go into that one a little bit later. But for me, uh, yeah, I think it's important um, for airlines to engage the passenger a little bit and perhaps maybe tell a story or get them to learn something ab- about their home country. You know what, Nick, uh, you have kind of, um, well, you've become renowned actually around the world for for really knowing, knowing your food. Um, and of course, our taste buds are act a little differently when we're at altitude, don't they? What do these airlines kind of have to consider um, in terms of seasoning for passengers? Sure. I mean, look, um, they, a lot of I mean, look, they're all qualified chefs. They know exactly what they're doing. I mean, you've got Lufthansa who are using a hyperbaric chamber outside of um, Munich and Sats do something similar in Singapore for their customers. So. Most of these guys know to season everything up to 20, maybe even 30% more than what you would normally put in a meal if you were eating it on the ground, oh, wow. which sounds like a lot. It does. <laughs> it does, yeah. But 
I mean, we we lose we we can lose up to thirty percent of our taste of um, our sense of taste, sorry, and and smell. Um, I know that when Japan Airlines uh, were offering the KFC in-flight meal, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with that one. Do you remember that? Oh, where they're bringing the fast food on board? Yeah, they had yeah. The, they had they were offering um, KFC as a second meal service um, at, on flights out of uh, Tokyo. Uh, the caterers actually had to add an extra 30% more salt to the chicken. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, wow. I thought there was already quite a lot of sodium in that, in that already. That's interesting. You know, in, uh, in this kind of best and worst uh, list here on Traveler.com, um, one of the meals that really kind of, and we'll include a link, obviously, uh, to this, but one of the meals that really stand out for me that I've actually had a chance to try is that fabulous Irish breakfast um nick that just like with the with the black pudding and the sausages and but i noticed that there are no eggs in this uh picture why why is that why don't why aren't the airlines doing more in the way of egg i don't really think it travels that well unless Mm. it's freshly prepared by crew in a business class cabin Mm. um you know and when i say freshly i mean usually they get it it's pre-made and all they have to do is kind of heat it up in the oven and let it kind of cook. Um, I'm a big fan of that Aer Lingus breakfast. Mm-hmm. I love it. I've had it for I've had it on a 5:30 p.m. flight <laughs> before. Um, yeah, so it, it's it's a, it's a great product. Yeah, no, it's fabulous. It's a great product from start to finish, including I have to say I'm just a personal fan of it. The Kerrygold butter. Whenever I see that, I just oh, think yes. it's such a nice touch to any in-flight meal. It shows that extra effort and maybe that tiny little bit more of expense to just have that really quality butter with your bread. Um, you're a fan, then, Max. I just this morning uh, scrambled my eggs uh, on the grill over some Kerrygold butter, and it was oh. delicious. I love that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Nick, I'm curious. Uh, I think we know that there's a relationship between flight class and meal quality, but is there a relationship between ticket price and meal quality? Or, or generally, do you find any correlations that are indicators of meal quality? Um, look, I think it all comes down to the individual airline. If they want to spend you know, an extra one, two, three dollars per passenger that can really increase the quality of the meal. Um, you know, some airlines just prefer to have a stock standard meal, um, sort of, you know, entry level price, whereas other airlines, perhaps like say, you know, Turkish airlines who are constantly um, referred to as having some of the best meals around, I would, I, I, don't, know, I don't know what they're spending on their, their meals, but I can imagine they'd be um, generally a lot higher than some of the other airlines for sure. And their ticket prices are probably some of the cheapest fares you can, or not the cheapest, but they're generally well-priced fares in the market. You know, another uh, another picture here that stands out in this very uh, specific piece, Nick, that, uh, that you commented on is the Singapore Airlines business class meal. With, is that a steak? It looks so amazing. It's like this giant hunk of meat with square little potatoes, I think, beside it. I mean, are, are we seeing kind of a continued interest on the part of airlines to offer that in business class? Do we see any carriers kind of still trying to do a stake for economy at all? Yeah, there is. Um, I, I have had an even better stake than that, and that was on a low-cost airline, and they're called Pegasus out of Turkey. Oh. Um, amazing, absolutely amazing. They have a great caterer. Uh, you pay for it, obviously. It's a pre-order meal. But it is up there with some of these, especially this business class steak that that I've had, um, and I couldn't believe it. 
Mm, interesting. Nick, on your website, yeah, you have some reviews of, of airline meals, and you have a number of criteria. Maybe you could just kind of explain quickly what those are and how you differentiate between one of the best in-flight meals and one of the worst. Yeah, sure. Um, so basically, I uh, generally, I, I used to start off um, rating a lot of the service uh, that the crew, uh, the onboard service, basically. And sometimes I get comp tickets, so it's kind of difficult to rate the service because they know you're on board. So I've kind of tried to stick with something that's a little bit more standard, and that is I'll try and look at the the taste aspect of things, the quality, the appearance of the meal, when it the way it was presented, um, you know, the quantity of, of the food, and also just if that airline was kind of original as well with either the onboard service or the meal offering as well. Um, generally, I think most airlines do a good job, um, but a couple of sort of nasty ones. I, I, I've recently just flown with SAS um, and that was lovely and they kind of redeemed themselves because I had a, a horrible um, experience with them here in Europe, but long haul they were simply amazing. So it just kind of goes to show that you can't always be good at everything, you know. Hmm. Um, I think for most uh, worst experiences, probably uh, Ukraine international airlines that was um interesting that was from amsterdam to kiev and i'd actually paid for the meal i'd booked two separate flights with them and um they actually got my order wrong on both flights and i ended up with a horrible looking chicken burger that uh took sort of one bite from and kind of left it to the side and didn't want to explore it any further All right. Well, let's push ahead. And we note that Runway Girl Network recently highlighted the changes being seen, specifically on board Indian carriers. They're moving in a healthier direction and featuring more Indian comfort foods in economy class, for instance. Nick, are you seeing in-flight food evolving around the world? Are there regional trends and are the changes good news for passengers? I think your listeners in the States will be quite pleased to hear that Delta have just announced free meals to and from Hawaii. Um, and that's a bit of a coup for passengers, you know. And I, and I think it's only time before other uh, airlines decide to do the same thing as well. It's similar to what's happened in Australia as well with um, Virgin Australia. They were chasing the corporate market and decided to reintroduce uh, free meals and snacks for passengers on all flights. And I think in Europe, though, we're seeing something different. We're seeing a lot of airlines reducing in-flight meal service, moving to buy on board. So it's really different depending on where you are in the world. Yeah, it's fascinating to see this dichotomy now playing out. You've got these highly profitable carriers, obviously, in the United States, and they're using at least a little bit of those profits to try and improve the passenger experience on with respect to certain elements like food and of course entertainment we've got delta and american now offering kind of pretty much free in-flight entertainment to passengers which is nice because they were trying to charge obviously an economy for some of their premium content um so that's wonderful but the seats obviously we're still remaining in a pretty snug configuration that seems to be one area that doesn't seem to be evolving along with the rest but as you say, Nick, then over in Europe, it's moving to buy on board and it's even moving to a very tight configuration, even in comparison to the legacy carriers in the US. It's tighter than they are. Now, I know most of the flights are shorter, but 
it's a little concerning. And we're seeing, of course, um, this kind of Eurobiz product where passengers don't even get any additional legroom than what the passengers in economy are getting. And we're seeing also a lot of complaints on the part of passengers on social media, posting pictures of their knees crunched up or having to be side saddle. Um, you know, where they can't actually even put their knees in front of them. The notion now that these airlines are also moving more to buy on board and and offering less, less in the way of service, is it really becoming like a, almost like a, a, a bus service over in Europe? I mean, it just, it's starting to really degrade. Am, am I right? Yeah, it's, I, I can't understand it. Like everywhere else in the world, they're really trying to enhance the experience and I hope that some of these airlines kind of wake up and go, hang on a minute, we're, we're, we're going the way of other regions in the world and, and, and maybe we should uh, change things up a bit. But I, I guess time will tell, you know. Yeah. I think the notion of healthier foods is definitely something that is appealing to me as I grow older and watch my belly generally increasing in size, I become more and more concerned about the, the the health aspects of what I'm eating. In terms of airline food, am am I going to continue to be disappointed or is there some good news out there concerning the, the health of the food that we're being served? There, there is a little bit of good news. Um, here, well, in Europe anyway, there is some legislation uh, that uh, basically means that the airlines must label your meal or have that information readily available to you in flight if you decide to ask for it. I am yet to actually ask any of the crew on the flights I've been on about the nutrition content of the meals because I'm a little bit scared because generally, you know, airline food, not the healthiest. Right. Um, so uh, it's interesting though, and it, it, it's actually uh, law by, I think by the end of the year, if, the, if any airline hasn't done so, they must be providing that information. So you can always ask here, and, and I'm sure that that would probably progress over to other parts of the world as well soon. Yeah, it's, it's good news, actually. Um, obviously, well, yet again, making the parallel as these kind of airlines are, are, are continuing to offer these tight seating configurations, passengers are getting both taller and wider. And those those trends don't seem to be necessarily changing. We seem to be holding steady uh, in the Western world with our weight, Nick. Um, is this kind of a, a collective effort, you think, on the part of the airlines where they're saying, okay, we're going to do our part because we want passengers to actually be able to fit into our small seats? <laughs> I never thought of that. <laughs> Because we want to, we want to help. We want to help these passengers. I mean, or you know, the realization that we are going to get to a, a point where where people don't fit. I mean, again, I go back to these these images that we're seeing on social media, and we're talking about kind of average size, say, male uh, passengers. That if they're shoulder to shoulder with other men, they're they're having great difficulty. And I just I, I don't know. I just wonder if airlines are thinking we're just going to do our part from the food standpoint. It's frustrating though because on every flight you kind of feel like you you're kind of closer and closer to that person next to you. It's so claustrophobic. Yeah, it gets into all sorts of living space issues, right? 
And of course, they're also thinning the armrest on a lot of these seats in order to make the claim that their seats are wider, which is not the case. The seats are not wider. The armrests are getting skinnier. And that actually means actually even potentially more physical interaction with your fellow passenger. Now, I'm the type of person that when I travel, I go into my travel mode. And, and so I kind of just, I accept whatever comes my way. And if a passenger, for example, is, is kind of in on my space. I try not to be rude. I try to be really polite. I, I, I really make an effort because I know we're all just trying to get from A to B safely and as comfortably as we possibly can given a number of constraints. But um, it is a little bit, it's, I don't know, I just find it interesting that a number of these carriers are now saying, uh, okay, we're going for healthy options at a time when, you know, that is actually what we need to be all doing is thinking about healthy options in <laughs> <Yes>. general. <laughs> so, Well, I wonder also uh, when you think about the, the total passenger experience, there are obviously there are a number of factors. Uh, the food is one of them, the, the comfort of the seat, all of those things uh, combine. And I wonder what the economics is in terms of the contribution that the food plays in that overall uh, impression of the experience you just had. And I, I find myself wondering if food isn't, you know, an inexpensive way to kind of push that, you know, that overall feeling up a little bit higher. If you just spend a little bit uh, extra on the quality, uh, the health, the nutritional value of the food, what contribution does that make to the, uh, the feeling that the passenger has when they exit the airplane? an interesting point you know a couple of years ago i think it was CETA. they did a um survey with um, some passengers before and after a flight and the first thing that people were worried about was you know are my bags going to turn up will i get there on time um and i can't remember the third one but it's not really relevant but when they get out at the other end what's the first thing you think that they talk about hmm. the food yeah or lack thereof, or yes. Yeah. Whether it was good or bad. And then the second thing they talk about as a crew, they don't really care about their bags because it's turned up. They've turned up on time or perhaps, you know, a little bit later or whatever, so they're not too concerned about that either. And it's just really interesting that people are always talking about the food and the crew first things first. So I'm not sure what's, you know, I don't know as a passenger flying with say Swiss or Jean, and I know I keep going back to these guys in Europe, but they do a really good job of being these ambassadors. And, you know, it, for me as kind of having some Greek heritage, I love jumping on an Aegean flight because I think it's so cool that they, they choose a different part of Greece every few months and they just provide you food and drink from that or, or have certain food and drinks from that region on board. And it's a really nice um, experience as a passenger. Um, whether people notice, you know, I, I look at these things, but whether people notice that's, you know, that's something else that's, I, I really don't know. I'm not sure. What do you guys think? I, I think they do. I mean, I, I, I will say this, I flew Alaska Airlines, I think about a year and a half ago, uh, Transcon, 737 and the the physical seat they've got these kind of slimline seats and the configuration is pretty snug um I, I felt rather uncomfortable but then they start kind of wheeling around uh regional wines you know and they're promoting you know the seattle area and i thought it was a really nice touch and i and i found myself kind of in overall evaluation of the airline post-flight thinking to myself man that seat was really uncomfortable but that kind of onboard service was was really nice you know so it helps to balance things out a little bit i guess yeah 
All right. Well, uh, finally, Nick is working on a very exciting project. Nick's getting ready to pull back the curtain on how airlines source, prepare, and deliver meals to passengers. And he's working on a full-length documentary film called The In-Flight Food Trip to reveal a world that few of us passengers ever see. Nick, tell us about this project and what's driving it. Yeah, so look, uh, it's a project that I've um, I've teamed up with uh, James Mellor from Rainbow Trout Films in the UK. And uh, what we're hoping to, well, we've already done a little bit of filming. We've been to Riga so far and we've been to Tokyo. So we've gone behind the scenes with SAS in Tokyo and with Air Baltic in Riga to, to really have a look at what these guys go through in order to deliver something edible to you in flight. And it's just really interesting, even for me, uh, having gone to what's like a, a menu presentation and I'd never been to one before. Uh, it's just really interesting watching this airline food kind of critic from the airline telling the caterer, you know, this is great, that's not good, change the recipe on that, um, adjust this, adjust. It's just really interesting. And it's an, and for these guys, it's a nine-month process. That economy class meal that you're tucking into took nine months from start to finish. And I think if people see that, maybe they'll kind of think twice before they, um, you know, start sort of dissing airline food. I mean, I know it's not the best, it, it, you know, it never will be. We're, we're eating in a pressurised tube, travelling at 800 uh, kilometres per hour. And, you know, there's no restaurant up there. It's The crew have limited resources. So um, I think they do well considering but I still think it's quite interesting and it's very logistical driven too. Yeah, no, this looks great. And Nick, you are working with a partner on this, is that right? Yeah, so James um, James Mellor from Rainbow Trout Films in the UK. And so we're currently crowdfunding it. It finishes in about a week actually. So How's it going? We're nearly there. We're nearly there. Um, not, not too far, not too far. <laughs> That's fantastic. You want to tell some of our listeners about uh, some of the – thresholds for uh, donating um, there's some nice kind of uh, there's some nice prizes I guess you could say for for people giving their support look um, the turkey one coming coming to a, a chef training session with an airline caterer at Istanbul airport hasn't been popular at all <laughs> you're kind of scrapping that one off which is fair enough but we've got like taste testing sh- sessions in uh, Charles de Gaulle airport with Air France we're giving away free meals on the streets in Riga with Air Baltic to get a sense of what people think of these meals. We have a flight going from London to Istanbul, but, again, that's not been so popular. Uh, we've got a sort of a, a corporate uh, in-flight catering taste testing day out at London Stansted Airport, and there's heaps of other stuff. You can you can have your name in the credits. You can even become like a, a have a mini sponsor on the in-flight feed website. So th- there are some really cool uh, perks for people if they want to get behind the project. Hmm. Nick, are the airlines being cooperative, or are they wary about being featured in a documentary? Um, it's really funny. Initially, uh, a lot of them were like, "What sort of documentary is this? Why do you Why do you want to come here? Is it investigative?" And I was like, "No, have a look at what I do. We just want to tell a story." Most of them have opened their doors and said, "Come in and film whatever you want." Hmm. Uh, so they've been great. Whereas, you no, know, some airlines weren't interested at all. It's really funny, actually. A couple of the American airlines were initially interested, and then sort of um, changed their mind because they were just concerned about the message that we were going to convey. But, oh, you know, I don't think that um, we're doing anything wrong. We're just telling a story. It's, it's, it's a bit of fun too. 
Mm, some of these airlines get so used to managing the message and uh, a very PR approach. Yes. <laughs> As journalists, we've learned this over and over and over again um, in terms of uh, how the airlines approach their messaging. Um, very interesting, Nick. Um, do you think that uh, – that where, where do you want to see this documentary run? Where will we be ultimately able to find it? Uh, initially, uh, I'm going to let James worry about that because he is well-connected. Uh, okay. He'd like to – He'd like to put it into a couple of the different European film festivals. And obviously we'd like to probably pitch it to some sort of travel TV networks or some sort of travel shows. But um, we want to worry about getting it done first and then obviously seeing how we um, get it out there later on. Mm, Fantastic. Yeah, And James uh, Miller, he has some experience creating films. He's not a newbie at this, uh, this sort of activity. So how, how is it working with him? And uh, are you actually out there with the film crew yourself as well? Yeah. So it's kind of first time for me. So it's been quite nerve wracking. Um, I still have to get used to the camera. I look at Mary when she does her PaxX TV stuff and I think, how does she do it? <laughs> <laughs> He's always telling me to relax and just, you know, just talk to me. Um, but I'm getting there and it's funny cause I've got a couple of live TV appearances later this week and the following week. So I have to go into a TV studio as well. So that would be good for me to get a little bit more experience, but it's not about me. It's not about Nick, you know, it's about the airlines. So the less I'm in it, the better, you know, I can just do a bit of a voiceover or whatever it might be. I don't know about that, Nick. My God, you're becoming synonymous with like in-flight food and beverage <laughs> these days. <laughs> I know. But it's not the Nick show. <laughs> well, I have to say that um, it does take a little bit of getting used to um, as with the lights on you and everything else. Um, and I find myself, even with this PaxX TV stuff, like you get kind of highly critical of your of how you've performed. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, you kind of pick yourself apart a little bit afterwards. But um, but I'm sure it's going to be fantastic, Nick. We really do look forward to seeing how this project unfolds. And um, to our listeners, if you uh, like what you hear, please feel free to, to go and support Nick's project. Nick, is this uh, can this all be found on inflightfeed.com or where is this kind of crowdfunding going on? It's on Indiegogo and you can, if you go to my Instagram, which is just inflightfeed, all one word, or if you go to the inflightfeed.com website, there's a dedicated page there with all the information. Okay, fantastic. Well, we're rapidly coming to a close here. We want to thank our listeners. And remember, you can find us online at RunwayGirlNetwork.com and on iTunes. Be sure to follow all the Runway Girl Network activity on Twitter at at RunwayGirl. And remember to use the PaxX hashtag when tweeting about the passenger experience. Join in the conversation. We'd love to have you. I'd like to reiterate our thanks to our sponsor, eGate Solutions, and I'd like to thank Nick for being our guest. Nick, you're on Instagram. You're also on Twitter, correct? Where, where can listeners find you at? Where's the, where's the best place to, to connect with Nick Lucas? In Flight Feed on Twitter as well. Okay. All right, Nick, it's been a real pleasure. We'll ask all of you to please join us again next time as we talk about the passenger experience on the PaxX Podcast. Take care, everyone. Mm-hmm.